Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Double Down WNBA podcast. My name is Stephen Trinkwald, joined as always by my co-host, Eric Nemchok. Eric, how are you today? Not bad, Stephen. How are you? I'm doing well. Today, we are going to do our season preview slash award prediction podcast, where we kind of just kind of share what, what we think is going to happen from kind of a macro standpoint. You know, we've been kind of going team by team these last few weeks, and uh, we're really going to kind of get into some big picture stuff here. And, you know, we'll probably be wrong a lot. So definitely hop in our mentions and, and tell us why uh, you think we're dumb. Um, but Eric, I guess we should get started. We will start with some awards. I think we're going to kind of talk about the all league awards first. Did you have any sort of criteria that you wanted to share in terms of how you put these teams together? Well, I think loose, I was loosely going with a, like a two to three guard slash two to three big lineup. Um, the thing about these awards is that the WNBA, it's hard to know if they actually have a criteria like that because every year it seems like someone's position gets fudged. So uh, yeah, I, I, I just tried to, you know, I, I actually, I asked you the same thing uh, the other night. You, you said something along the lines of, well, if it can make a basketball team, then, then it'll work. So I'm like, okay, let's just go with that. Yeah, that was kind of my, my loose uh, guidelines. But, you know, I, I think some people probably have some stronger feelings about how these awards are given out in terms of like, I want one of each position or a lot of people are just like, you know, do whatever you can to get the five best players on there. Uh, when, when you see these awards kind of given out do you kind of have strong feelings one way or the other in terms of you know as, as you were talking about before fudging those positions I used to I used to really hate it but now it's just like well whatever the league is gonna leak it doesn't really matter as long as the as long as it's a good pick you know like as long as a as I think a player you know deserves to make first team or deserve to make second team or however you want to say that then then I think it's all right it's it's not that big of a deal Cool. So let's get into it. Who did you have for your first team all WNBA? Okay. So I had two guards, the, in my opinion, two best point guards in the league, Courtney Vandersloot and Chelsea Gray. Uh, after the season that Vandersloot had last year, I just don't see how she doesn't do this again. Um, especially because Chicago is looking pretty good heading into the season as far as, you know, absences and injuries are going. Um, we're just lacking uh, Gentle Lavender and, and Sydney Colson at the moment. So with Chicago's core intact, I think Sloot is going to have another big assist season. And then Chelsea Gray, I mean, I think she 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 kind of had a down year by her standards last year. I don't see her shooting that poorly from the field again. And I think the Sparks are going to be good enough to where you know she's going to be back in the back in the hunt for a first team selection. Uh, rolling right along, I also had her teammate Neka Gumake. Uh, I don't see how NECA does not make either of these teams or like one of these two teams. I'm sorry. Um, I just went with her because once again, I think the sparks going to be really good. I'm not sure how much team record should really influence this, uh, the all WNBA teams, but I don't know. I, I think Ogumike is just so solid year in and year out that it's a pretty, a pretty safe pick for a, an all WNBA mention. Uh, then I have Asia Wilson from the Las Vegas aces, you know, with Liz Cambage sitting out the season, I think it's going to be, it's going to be all Asia in that front court. I think she's going to be playing a ton of minutes and she's going to be getting a lot of transition opportunities. Right. Right. I didn't forget. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, and I actually, I expect her to be in uh MVP conversation as well. I think a lot of people are, are expecting that. So it's, it's, it's going to be the Asia Wilson show once again in, in Vegas, her going into her third season. I'm expecting her to put up big numbers. And then finally, uh, Brittany Griner, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep going with this. 
I think she is the best center in the league right now. I think Phoenix has not really lost that much compared to most other teams. And with Diggins, uh, Smith joining the team and Dinah Tarazi returning, I think BG is just going to have plenty of other weapons to work with. And she's going to reestablish herself as the clear number one center in the league. I turn it over to you. Awesome. So, I mean, I don't want to get too into the weeds here, um, but you mentioned that you think Brittany Griner is the best center in the league. Uh, if this league had its full complement of centers, would you still feel that way? Um, I think I prefer Liz Cambage, but only very narrowly. I mean, it, it's, it's like, it, it's pretty much splitting here as I believe, because they both have, they're both incredible players. They both give you so much on the, uh, on, on both ends of the floor and uh, whatever weaknesses. I, I mean, I mean, they're both what? Top five, top 10 players in the league, regardless. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I'll get into my team here. I had the same backcourt as you, Courtney Vandersloot and Chelsea Gray. Actually, full transparency, I put Chelsea Gray from second team to first team like seconds before we started recording. I uh, actually had one of my second team guards in her slot right up until the moment that, that I kind of finalized everything here. But yeah, you mentioned it. Both of those players are going to be in great situations. Uh, and would definitely expect huge seasons. Gray, hopefully a, a little bit of a bounce back in terms of at least her individual numbers. I also shared two of your front court players in Asia Wilson and Brittany Griner. Uh, and the lone difference we had was I had Nafisa Collier as really? a first team all NBA player. Yeah, I thought she was, you know, a borderline top 10 player last season. I think she is maybe transitioning into the Lynx best player maybe not i mean falls falls is a great player but but collier also has a lot less competition i would say positionally in terms of making these all league teams obviously center is you know the most stacked position in the league and uh collier as a wing you know slightly less so though there is definitely some some deep talent there to be sure so i think collier is just going to be you know a two-way force this season obviously minnesota's in an interesting situation missing their starting point guard for at least some of the season but uh with that being said uh, I'll, I'll just roll right into my all WNBA second team and start off with the player that you had first team, and that's Neko Gwumike and Brianna Stewart in the as the two bigs that, that I had, along with Skylar Diggins-Smith, Allie Quigley, and Dewana Bonner. You know, I think there's a little bit of an uphill battle for a couple of these players that I just mentioned. You know, Dewana Bonner, this would be her first all-league team in five years, so, you know, a little bit of a challenge there to be sure, but she's in a new situation. I think sometimes that can, sometimes that can bring a little bit more shine. And this would be Allie Quigley's first all league team like ever in her age 34 season. So definitely yeah. an uphill battle there as well. But I thought she deserved it last year over both Odyssey Sims and her teammate Diamond Shields. So uh, who did you have on this team? First of all, I totally agree with you on Allie Quigley. Um, I don't have her on my second team, but uh, I do believe uh, there are a couple other seasons in which I think she should have gotten consideration. I think in, 2017 was it where she almost put up a 50 40 90 split um i think she deserved that as well but uh good call on bonner i did not have her but i could definitely see it happening just because she's going to be shouldering so much of the scoring load in connecticut and i think she's in a position where she can just put up huge statistics um we talked about it previously like well bonner's history of being a number one option she you know her efficiency tends to go down but i think this is a, a different sort of situation for her so we'll see. I mean, I could, I could definitely see it. Um, I, the only one we shared uh, was Skylar Diggins-Smith. I, I think this is pretty self-explanatory. I, I think, once again, Phoenix's team record is going to factor heavily into this. Uh, maybe Diana Chirazi could, you know, could fight her way on here, but 
I didn't do that because, you know, she's missed two seasons. It, it, basically, more or less. I mean, last season didn't really – it was pretty much a, a throwaway season for her. Uh, yeah, so I think Skylar Diggins-Smith is going to have a, a good year for Phoenix. And also, you know, you just have the name factor. Uh, I also have Arike Agunbowale. Um, I was not certain on this one. But the way I looked at it is if Arike played at least a little bit better in the first half of last season, then I think she could have made some noise as far as uh, at least an all-star nomination goes. Um, so I think if she can con- be more consistent this season, probably, you know, we, we talked about it on the Dallas pod, she was maybe shooting a little bit hot in the second half of the season, but she was very, very cold in the first half of the season. I think if she puts together a solid, consistent campaign and she still puts up, you know, like, what was it, 18, 19 points per game or whatever, that's what Border's going to look at. And I think she can she can make some noise for the second team at least. Team record might not be in her favor, however. That's interesting. I also, you know, I, sorry to interrupt you, but I no, got to no, no. uh, admit, I, I probably should have considered her a little bit more seriously. You know, obviously she was on my extended list of players to, to consider when I was going through it, but uh, maybe um, I didn't give her quite enough uh, shine when, when I was going through this, but uh, please continue. Well, I was looking at uh, just guards. I, I, just, I started off this list with guards and um, I'm not really seeing too many like high volume sort of guards. Maybe... Like, like, again, I don't really want to put Diana Tarazi in here because there's so much uncertainty. Um, Jewel Lloyd was headed down here last season. Sue Bird, who knows? Um, I, I should have put Allie Quigley on here, but I'll get to the Homer votes later. Don't, don't you worry, because uh, <laughs> there are some. Um, I've got Brianna Stewart on here, um, and I guess this might be a little uh, contradictory because I just said Diana Tarazi is kind of an uncertainty. Brianna Stewart is coming off an Achilles injury, of course. Um, however, when she's healthy, I think she's probably the best player in the league. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Top I think three so. at worst. Yeah. Top three at worst. You know, I think there um, are some very distinct like pros and cons in debating her and Deladon. And I think, you know, similar to what you were saying with Cambage and Griner, you know, it's more of a matter of preference than, you know, serious degrees of one being better than the other. Right. Right. And um, I think pretty much everyone is expecting Seattle to be the, uh, the team to beat as of right now, like something could change tomorrow or whatever but uh yeah i think brianna stewart is gonna even if she's not returning to mvp form i think she's still going to be one of the best players in the league and will garner this second team nomination um rolling right along i have emma Miesemann, um because washington basically has like nothing right now especially like like we talked about it recently on the washington pod we think they're going to score a ton and we think that they're going to be featuring a ton of pick and pops which emma is going to be spectacular at most likely um if she's their number one option, I think she's just going to have a whale of a season. And then um, I've got Tierra McCowan for my fifth pick. This, I was a little, I was going between her and Fowles. Um, I think if you look at what McCowan did last season, when she got in the starting lineup, she was putting up really, 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 really crazy numbers, specifically offensive rebounding. Um, I think if she can finish a few more shots around the rim, if she can play a little more within herself defensively, not get caught out of position, um, then the rebounding and, and the free throw right, as we talked about, is just going to make her such a force. Um, she's going to be on this team more often than she isn't in her career. I can tell you that. She's a star in the making. So I guess I just maybe kind of jump in gun, the gun on this a little bit. But uh, I don't know. What do you think? I think it's it's a little early for, for me to throw her on that team. But, you know, it's definitely plausible. You know, she put up monster numbers, and this is – uh, something that we'll get to a little bit later, at least I'll get to a, a little bit later in one of our uh, made-up categories. The opportunity is definitely there. So before we kind of uh, move on, 
and I do want to kind of talk about maybe our, our toughest omissions on this team. Maybe we can just run through quick as a recap. Uh, I had my first team, Vandersloot, Gray, Collier, Asia Wilson, Brittany Griner, and my second team, Skylar Diggins-Smith, Allie Quigley, Duana Bonner, Brianna Stewart, and Neka Ogumike. Okay, I had Courtney Vandersloot, Chelsea Gray, Neka Ogumike, Asia Wilson, and Brittany Griner on my first team. Skylar Diggins-Smith, Arike Agunbawale, Brianna Stewart, Emma Miesemann, and Tierra McCowan on my second team. Cool. So who did you find as the, the toughest players to leave out of either of these two teams? Well, I really wanted to put a Sun Forward on there, uh, either Bonner or Alyssa Thomas. I think they're going to be maybe a top five, top six team. Uh, I think that's a realistic spot for them. We'll go over this later again. Um, so if they are, I think Bonner and Thomas are just going to be such huge parts of what they do, especially because their depth is so like, we have no idea what their front court is going to look like. Right. So Alyssa Thomas in particular is going to be shouldering, <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> I, I just, I just thought it, uh, an enormous load, an enormous load. Like I could see her getting, you know, finals level burn in, uh, over the, over the course of the season. I mean, hopefully for her sake, not, but looking at this depth chart right now, I mean, I think she's going to get a ton of, a ton of run. Um, and then Duana Bonner, you talked about it already. She's, She's in a pretty good situation, I think. She's got a new coach, new, new system, and I think she's going to have a lot of room to work with herself. So uh, that's pretty much – I also want to kind of consider Candace Parker, but, again, like she was not healthy at all last season. And, you know, she's at the age where it's just, you know, can she recover from something like that? I, I wish she could. I mean, she's one of the most exciting players in the league. I know you agree with that, but I, I, th- I, I, I did not do that. How yeah, about you? What are your – what are your omissions? I would say my, my toughest ones for the bigs really kind of wanted to find a spot for either Sylvia Fowles or Natasha Howard. Yeah. Um, you know, Howard obviously just had an amazing season last, last year. And maybe if I wasn't kind of so stringent on, you know, playing like a real basketball lineup, you know, she's, she's a better player than Duana Bonner to be sure. Uh, and maybe would deserve that, that nod over her. Uh, Diamond of Shields, Ariel Atkins were definitely two of the tougher omissions for me on the wing. Uh, you know, I think Atkins gets, you know, as we talked about, gets a lot of shine. You know, if they are pretty decent next year, you know, she probably will make one of these these teams. She seems to, you know, she's already made two all defensive teams and, and with shouldering a, a larger offensive burden, you know, the leap wouldn't be that, that large. I wanted to put Kelsey Mitchell on there um, as sort of, uh, a leap of faith in, into what this season is going to look like for her under uh, in a new system and maybe play, playing a slightly different role. But, you know, it's probably just not realistic to, to be honest. And then the other one that I want to mention is Kayla McBride. I, you know, I, I found it pretty tough to leave her off. You know, she is one of those players that maybe doesn't have the game to attract this kind of voting, but similar to Allie Quigley, just a tremendously versatile offensive player who, who also brings a lot more defensively and, and, is probably going to shoulder more of a load than, well, is almost certainly going to shoulder more of a load than she did last year with Liz yeah. Gambage. So uh, let's move on to the all defensive first team. And I don't know about you, but I had a struggle putting these together. Yeah, me too. Um, there are a few on this first team. Actually, there are a few on this first team I thought were like no brainers. Um, but then when it came to the second team, I was like, well, there are a few I could leave on. There are a few I could leave off. There are a few I wanted to put on there, but I think the scope of the league is such where quantifying defense is going to be really, really difficult this season. I mean, it usually is. It's always more difficult in my opinion to quantify defense than it is offense. But I think in this season in particular, it's going to be really, really much of a struggle. Um, Who'd you have on your first team? 
Yeah, so this this was actually one of those where like I wanted to put six players on my first team and four players on my second team. But for my first team, I went with the two aforementioned bigs that I mentioned leaving off of my all-league team in Sylvia Fowles and Natasha Howard. I also had Nafisa Collier, Jordan Canada, and Ariel Atkins. Uh, one, one thing I sa- I'll say before I cede the floor is Canada was probably my toughest pick here, even though she's obviously probably the premier defensive point guard in the league, but I think it's a little tougher to make one of these teams when you're almost certainly going to be coming off the bench and right. playing bench to, you know, maybe low and starter type minutes. Yeah. I actually had the same thought process with Canada. She wasn't on either of my teams, but if she was starting, she would have been. So, I mean, I guess it's, and it's like, we, we heard Gary Klopperberg say, yeah, I want to play super and join a candidate together. So, but at the same time, you got to figure Drew Lloyd is going to be playing a lot and Sammy Whitcomb is going to be getting her eight to 10 minutes a game. Right. So I, I'm kind of erring on the side of Canada, not playing enough minutes to get that nomination. Um, when Sue Bird does retire, because it is going to happen one of these days, Sue Bird is going to retire. Jordan Canada will get in the starting lineup and she will be a regular on the defensive team um, because she is just so good. You know, getting all those steals we talked about, she's terrific at the point of attack, especially blowing up pick and rolls. So I'm expecting her to, make the all defensive team many times in her career. I went with uh, Jasmine Thomas. I think that's kind of like a, that's kind of just like a gimme at this point um, because she's, she's got the reputation. I mean, let's face it. She is a really good point guard defender. I wouldn't have her above Canada if the minutes were equal, but they're not equal. So that is the way it goes. Uh, I had Tira Ruffin Pratt on here. Um, I think maybe I let defensive reputation get in the way a little bit. Um, because she's certainly not going to be on here for her offense, but I think she's a, she's a solid defender and she's going to be on one of the best defensive teams in the league as is Neko Ogumake. Um, again, year in, year out, very solid defensive contributor. She just does a little bit of everything for you on that end. Uh, Alyssa Thomas I had on here. I think her defense is very underrated um, in general, maybe not by you. Um, definitely not by Kurt Miller, who has said that Alyssa is his best defensive player, but I think she's just the fulcrum of, what, of so much of what the Sun do defensively. And once again, they're going to be leaning on her a lot this season without John Cole Jones in the front court to kind of show up those mistakes and show up those inside. Actually, no, now that I think about it, Connecticut's front court, I'm <laughs> looking at their center rotation. That's going to be a, that's going to be an adventure defensively. So if Connecticut is to be a good team, I think Thomas is going to have to really play well on that end of the floor. And then I have Natasha Howard. I don't see how, She's not one of the best defensive players in the league, if not the best right now, because, I mean, she's just – she's the best defensive playmaker, right? She's got – she gets steals and blocks like nobody's business. She's long. She's athletic. She can move her feet like crazy. You can switch with her. You can hedge with her. You can do basically anything you want with Natasha Howard. She can make a defensive scheme, and that's why I have her on my first team. Your first team, in a lot of ways, looks uh, like my second team, where I have uh, okay. Jasmine Thomas and Alyssa Thomas. Kurt Miller is right. Alyssa Thomas is their best defensive player. Um, but Jasmine Thomas is obviously just a tremendously gifted defensive point guard. Uh, I also have Neka Ogumake on the all-defense second team, along with Kayla McBride and Alicia Clark. Okay. I have – okay, so I have some of your first-teamers. I have Ariel Atkins, uh, Nafisa Collier, and Sylvia Fowles. I actually think Nafisa Collier should have made all-defense last season. I think there's kind of a stigma against rookies making it, but she was – superb on defense especially for a rookie Sylvia Fowles there's nothing to say here she has been one of the league's best defensive players since she came in I had Elizabeth Williams on here because I feel like she is 
a really, really solid defender, maybe undersized a little bit. Um, she's going to struggle against the larger centers in the league. But as we saw a couple of seasons ago when the Dream were just a buzzsaw defensively, she can definitely hold her own defensively, um, maybe get some defensive player of the year consideration as well. And then I had Ariel Atkins. Um, the only reason I didn't have Atkins on the first team is because I think Washington is going to struggle on defense a lot. So I can't really put it, – it's, it's hard to separate, you know. Like, like if, a, if a player is really good defensively, but if the team is really bad – you know, I got to give it to a player who's good with on a good team. I completely Maybe. agree with you. Atkins okay. was definitely the, the toughest inclusion, even though I did say that thing about Canada, you know, coming, playing bench minutes. Uh, but Atkins was someone who I had on the second team for a long time as I was putting this together and had Jasmine Thomas first team over her. And, you know, if you kind of want to say what you're saying in terms of, you know, she's going to be a good individual defender, but that team's going to give up a million points. Yeah. No argument here, you know? Okay. All right. Um, and then my last pick, my last, my guard, uh, one of my guards, I didn't really know what to do with this one. So I picked Bria Holmes. I think she is, she's going to be starting this year. Um, you probably don't like that, but she's going to be starting. And apparently she grew two inches since last season. Uh, I wish I grew two inches since last season. I, me too. It's unfair. Like I'm 27 years old. I wish I, I'm done growing. It's, it's unfortunate. I don't have the genes, but Brie Holmes has the genes apparently. Um, so she's going to be like six, two, six, three out there. And if her lateral movement isn't impeded or anything like that, that's, that's really good to have on the perimeter. That's really good. I think she was a solid defender already and her being in the starting lineup, I think she's going to get a lot more burn against teams like primary offensive weapons on the, on the wing. So she's going to have a chance to prove herself as a lockdown defender. And I think, uh, I think she's got the tools. Yeah, I had um, Holmes uh, and another player that you mentioned on sort of my my toughest omissions list. One thing I wanted to kind of take a step back on, I had uh, Sylvia Falls on my first all-defense team. You had her on your second all-defense team. Um, I mean, it's insane that she didn't make it last year and that Brittany yeah. Griner made all-defense over her. She had a considerably better defensive season, in my opinion, than than Brittany Griner did. But uh, nevertheless, my, my toughest omissions in terms of the, the all defensive teams, uh, Asia Wilson, you know, I think she's going to, that the defensive burden will be placed on her a lot more this year than it was last year with, with Liz Cambage there. And, you know, I think she's up to the challenge. She's, she's a tremendous defensive player. Uh, Elizabeth Williams, as you mentioned, uh, Candace Parker, you know, I think over her career probably hasn't gotten enough all defensive love. She's a tremendous defensive player, but I agree, you know, probably is just going to take off a few too many transition possessions to, to really earn this nomination. Uh, and Dierica Hamby was was my last kind of big that I felt was a really tough one. For the wings, you know, I kind of wanted to include Diamond to Shields as, again, sort of like a leap of faith pick that she would kind of turn herself into that consistent wing defender that that's really able to lock down whoever she's kind of up against or dig down in the post and, and kind of create a, a lot of havoc there. Um, but again, her her earning this would really, unlike maybe some other players on this omission list, would, would require a leap from her. Uh, Bria Holmes was a, a tough one for me. Definitely someone I considered for like that, that last 10th spot where I had Kayla McBride. Um, you know, Courtney Williams, I think is an underrated defensive player and really kind of a menace out there uh, when she's locked in, you know, it, it's still unclear at this point as we're recording this, if she's going to play or not, but, uh, and then the, the last four that were pretty tough for me, uh, I'll just go through them quick. Dewana Bonner, a player you had in Tierra Ruffin Pratt, Brian January and Jackie Young. Okay. Um, you had a lot. Jeez, I did not have nearly that many people considered. Uh, on, my, uh, on my third team, I guess you could call it, uh, I, did, I did consider Jordan Canada heavily, as, as, I, as I talked about. I think she's, 
He's going to be there sooner rather than later. And I also considered Kia Stokes. Um, maybe, yeah, because I, I think, you know, with her taking last season off, people kind of, I don't want to say, I don't want to put up like a straw man argument, be like, well, people don't know. People don't realize it. But yes, people do realize. Kia Stokes <laughs> is a very good defender. Um, I guess she's just kind of slipped under the, slipped through the cracks with so many people um, taking the season off. And with, with New York having so many young players, um, Stokes is going to be, but again, now we're, now we're going to run into the thing. Well, New York is probably going to be not very good on defense. I don't know how much of that Kia Stokes can, can clean up or for that matter, how much he's going to play. I'm not sure what Walt, what Walt Hopkins wants to do. You know, we've already seen them. We've already seen them um, kind of blow up a lot of their roster in terms of going young and what have you. So I don't know if he's going to give Kia Stokes a long leash or what, because she certainly, I don't think she fits into what they want to do offensively, but defensively she's a savant. So we'll see what happens over there. Maybe Connecticut can strike for her. They could. Uh, she could be the missing piece, right? Anything else on, on all defense, or should we move on? Um, I guess I should, I also considered Alicia Clark. I mean, there, I would have no qualms if, if she made it. I think she's very, very solid defensively. Maybe a little small, but, I mean, you can't really fault her for that. Uh, she's just super solid. So let's move on to uh, the big one, most valuable player. Okay, um, I'm going to quadruple down on Brittany Griner. As I've said previously, I pick her like almost every year for MVP because I always think, okay, this is the year where she's going to come out and dominate. This is the year where she's going to establish herself. I think individually she has pretty much established herself now as a top two center. I might get in trouble for that, but she's one of the best players in the league. And as I talked about, Phoenix is looking pretty good heading into the season as far as opt-outs or you know absences are concerned. If they get the record, um, I think BG is going to be a leading candidate. How about you? I had uh, Brittany Griner. <laughs> oh, she's uh, you know the most accomplished active player without an MVP. I would say she's probably the best player in this version of the WNBA without an MVP. You know, one, one could argue Liz is better, as I think we both would. But Liz isn't playing this season, so. She's complimented, as you say, by nearly a full roster. So I think they're at least going to be pretty competitive. She's probably going to at least be close to leading the league in usage. You know, her per game scoring is going to be off the charts. And as we saw last season, you know, the voters aren't really paying attention to her defense anyway. So uh, I think I think it's finally Brittany Griner's season to take it home. Who who else did you consider for this award? Okay, so for the uh, individual awards, I picked two other players, like a runner-up and a runner-runner-up. Um, I, uh, I picked Brianna Stewart mostly because I think once again, Seattle is going to be really good, hopefully. And, um, she is probably still going to be the best player on that team. So just by function of being the best player on the best team, I think you can't rule her out. And then Neko Gumake, this might be a little bit of a reach, but again, if the sparks are very good and she is their best player, I'm not expecting 2016 numbers from her where she had a true shooting percentage of like. 71 or 72 percent or something stupid like that but I think she is still going to be a very good player and she's just one of those players who you can expect year in and year out to have consistent very very high level production um maybe not a, a hot MVP pick but a safe one how about you my also considered list uh, is a little bit longer because I didn't really do a full ballot here. Asia Wilson, I think, is getting a lot of MVP love around yeah. the league. Uh, I, I just don't really see the team success path for the Aces. You know, I, I'm sure she's going to have a, a monster season and, you know, will definitely deserve serious consideration. But, you know, I, I just don't think the team's going to be good enough to kind of warrant uh, the MVP award. You know, you can kind of qualm whether you think team success really should correlate with, with this award, but. 
uh, Brianna Stewart and Natasha Howard both were kind of seriously considered by me. You know, Stewart, maybe if she is taking on a little bit of a lesser role, Howard's going to look even better. And I would expect Howard's usage to probably take a step back from last year. But I think both of those players deserve serious consideration. Uh, Courtney Vandersloot was, you know, a player that I, I really considered. But, you know, it's just hard for a point guard to win. If anyone, if any point guard has a chance, you know, she, she's got a good one. But her, Chelsea Gray, and Neko Gumake were kind of the other ones that I really considered, you know, as having a, a realistic chance of taking home this award. This year. You know, you said it's, it's, it's very tough for point guards. It's actually been virtually impossible for point guards because I don't think a point guard has ever won this award. Unless you consider Diana Chirazi to be a point guard, but in 2009, I don't think she was really playing that role. So, yeah, point guards do not get a lot of love for MVP for whatever reason. Um, I totally agree with you on Asia Wilson, by the way. Um, I could see her in, in MVP contention, but the fact of the matter is this award does correlate with team success, and I just can't see Vegas being as good as Seattle or L.A., point blank. Yeah, sure. Defensive player of the year. I had Natasha Howard again. I was looking up and down at, at the rosters here, and – you know, I just want—I just wanted to pick the best defensive player on a top defensive team, and I think that's Natasha Howard. Just because Brianna Stewart is coming back, it doesn't take away from how good Natasha Howard is on defense, right? Okay, it might hurt her. It's probably going to hurt her as far as like all WNBA consideration or MVP consideration. But in my opinion, it's just going to make her even better on defense because you're going to be putting that length next to her. And she's just going to be even more of a monster and help. Like I said before, she's the best defensive playmaker in the league. It, it might be tough to give this award out to the same person two years in a row, but I, I don't see why Natasha Howard can't win it again. How about you? I wanted to give this award to a teammate of Natasha Howard in Jordan, Canada, but it, as tough as it is to give this award to someone two years in a row, it's probably even tougher to give it to a player who is going to come off the bench. Yeah. Uh, so with that being said, I, I'm also going to – pick Natasha Howard uh you know she just she does so many things defensively and that system really in a lot of ways kind of relies on all those gifts that she brings defensively you know it's not unheard of for for players to win this award multiple times I think it is kind of in a way sort of a narrative award um but she's she's a great elite defensive player uh with that being said you know if Jordan Canada was slated to start I think I would probably have picked her but also seriously considered a, a few names for this list. Sylvia Fowles, of course. You know, Alyssa Thomas, I think, has the versatility and, and puts up like the steel numbers, but I, I think she just doesn't put enough enough blocks for, you know, a power forward to really be considered for uh, for this award. And then Asia Wilson also, uh, if they have a good defense, you know, she should get a ton of the credit. Okay. Um, I also seriously consider Sylvia Fowles. Um, in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if she does win it because once again, Minnesota very good defensively last season. Sylvia Fowles will be the fulcrum of any good defense until she retires. That's just the way it goes. How about uh, Nafisa Collier? I mean, you had her on, on your all WNBA first team. Um, does D, how much does defense play into that? Well, I had her on my first all defensive team as well, but I just don't see her really as the, the type of game to win this award, if that makes sense. And I, I think, you know, if Minnesota does have an elite defense, like I think, the defensive player of the year shine is more likely to go to Sylvia Fowles. I agree. I agree with that. I just wanted to see your thoughts on that. Cool. Uh, let's go to most improved player. Okay. Um, I had several picks here. Uh, I ultimately settled on Ezra Stevens because I'm a sky homer. No, just joking. Um, my original pick was actually Ariel powers because I think as we talked about on the Washington pod, uh, she's going to have pretty much the room to do whatever she wants on offense. I could see her averaging like 17, 18 points per game. 
Cause I mean, we know she wants to get her, get her shots up. Right. She, uh, so, you know, this award, I don't really like this award cause it's like, well, what is improvement? Is it increase in volume statistics? In my opinion, it's not, but that's the way this award has gone many years. So if it's, if that's the way the voters go, I think you got to consider aerial powers, but, uh, I went with Ezra Stevens, my first choice, because last season she was pretty much a non-factor. She was injured most of the season, but now she's healthy again. She's coming back to a Chicago she's, – she's coming to a Chicago team, sorry, that I think she fits a lot better on than the Dallas Wings, especially with that coaching staff. You know, she's playing with a, an elite point guard. She's playing on a team that really wants to get up and down the floor. And she's playing on a team where she's going to get the minutes. You know, she's not going to be battling with, a, with like a Glory Johnson or a Liz Cambage for playing time, right? She's not a rookie anymore. Um, I just think she has the versatility and the, just the overall playmaking ability on both ends of the floor to really, to really establish herself as a very solid rotation player. So given that she barely played at all last season, I went with Azure Stevens. That's a good one. I, I did not give Azure Stevens enough consideration for this award i will uh i'll say that so who'd you pick i i went with um kelsey mitchell uh in a lot of the ways that you had described this award kind of being uh handed out like in terms of just pure box score stats I, you know i don't actually think kelsey mitchell is going to kind of improve those all that much um but i think she in a new system and hopefully a more kind of you know progressive modern offensive system maybe given a little bit of a longer leash uh and you know, some incremental uh, internal improvement around the rest of that roster. You know, I think Kelsey Mitchell, we talked about it uh, way back on our, our Indiana episode. I think she has some, some star potential in there. And this is, you know, as I kind of talked about with a few other potential choices that, that I ended up not making, this is a little bit of a leap of faith pick. Like I, I think um, Kelsey Mitchell definitely has some, some serious game, it's a very um, versatile kind of a three-point arsenal in terms of how and, and where she's able to kind of take those shots. And she has been an efficient offensive player so far, you know, just kind of needs a, a little bit of tweaking here and there, maybe getting to the free throw line, finishing better from two point range. So that's, that's my pick. Okay. I, that's a good one. <laughs> I am a Kelsey Mitchell stand. So I, I would love if that came through. And also um, for her case, uh, I believe Erica Wheeler still is not in Florida. So if Kelsey Mitchell ends up getting a start at point guard, um, and, you know, play next to Victoria Vivians again and, and second-year Tierra McCowan. I mean, we, we talk about the third-year point guard, right? This, that's the year for point guards to typically break out. I can see it. One thing I did want to say about this award is this is something that I don't really like to consider sophomores for. Like, you know, I just think that's kind of not really what the award is for. You know, if you are just, you know, given more sort of minutes because you're a sophomore instead of a rookie, like, is that really, as you were kind of saying before, is that improvement or, you know, are you just given more chances in playing more minutes? So some, some other players that I considered for this one though, uh, Jordan Canada, you know, if she goes better than, you know, 19% from three there, there's definitely a serious case for, for how she can put together uh, a most improved candidacy. Bree Jones, a personal favorite of mine, uh, she'll definitely be given the role to to kind of break out and improve herself now after you know being really relegated to uh, a backup option the last few years and even even last year was really her first opportunity to play serious backup minutes. If Diamond to Shields makes like the leap, capital T, capital L, you know she'll definitely win this award uh, or at least deserve it. You know I, I think there might be some that consider her leap already to have been made, but but I definitely think there's some more room for growth there and yeah. But ultimately, I'm going to go with Kelsey Mitchell. Okay. Um, I, I did want to address that. 
for Diamond to Shields. She was getting some most improved love last season on on national TV. I didn't really agree with it then. But I don't think any of us would be surprised if she turns into a star this season. I also consider Lexi Brown because, you know, as you said, Minnesota lacking a real point guard at the moment or a an established starting point guard. I think she's going to be the uh, – she's going to get the first shot at it. Can she become a quality distributor on a good team? That'll be the decision for her, or that'll be the decision as far as if she's in most improved conversation. I, she wouldn't be my first pick, but I think she will be one of the – her usage is going to go up. You know, that's, that, that's, that's the main – that's the name of the game here for this award. So she was in, like, my top three. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I'll start the next one, sixth woman of the year. Uh, this is a player who I have talked about extensively so far. Eric, do you want to guess? Uh, Jordan Canada. Jordan Canada is my pick. Yes. Um, I, but before Kloppenberg uh, made the announcement recently that, you know, Sue Bird was going to continue to, to start. I kind of wanted us to be cute and pick Sue Bird, but yeah, Jordan Canada, I think she'll be the best bench player on the best team or, or what's very likely to be the best team obviously was very productive as a starting point guard last year. So I think the, the path is there. Okay. I could see it. She wasn't on my list, but I could see it. Um, Interesting. Who did you have? I had Cheyenne Parker because, well, Derek Hamby's in the starting lineup now. John Cole Jones is not playing this year, so she can't steal the award. Uh, just joking. Uh, I think, well, I mean, this could go to either uh, Cheyenne Parker or Ezra Stevens, whoever comes off the bench for Chicago. Cause I think, I don't see either of them being very high-minutes high players. I think the minutes distribution in Chicago in the front court is going to be distributed pretty evenly. So I think whoever comes off the bench is going to have a good chance to win it just because they play at such a high pace. Um, but Cheyenne is such a – she's such a productive per-minute player. I think that if she still comes off the bench um, but, you know, gets those – like, for example, I think James Wood just likes her coming off the bench because she brings such energy – um, and she's kind of a matchup problem. We talked about it. Uh, she really feasts against opposing benches. If she continues to come off the bench um, and just plays more minutes off the bench, maybe, I think she's going to really have a good season. I also considered Bria Hartley from Phoenix. Um, not the biggest fan of Bria Hartley, but I think as you know, looking at Phoenix's depth, they don't really have a heck of a lot coming off their bench. So I think she's going to get plenty of reps as like a bench combo guard. And if she plays next to Brittany Griner and Diana Tarazi, well, that'll do wonders for her assist numbers. And I also had Alicia Gray. Um, I don't think she's going to be starting this season. Or if she is, it's going to be, you know, not for very long. Because you're going to have Mar Mariah Jefferson coming back as a pure point guard. Arike obviously going to be starting. What's Agar going to do with the three? I don't know. If Alicia Gray does come off the bench, I think it's a decent pick for sixth woman of the year because she's just overall all-around solid player. She doesn't do anything flashy, but she's a decent perimeter defender, and she can do a little bit of everything for you offensively. So um, it's difficult to decide on this award because, once again, we don't really know what who's going to be in Florida yet. You know, games start in three days, but we still don't know what most of these rosters are going to look like. So uh, I don't know. Who are your, who are your considerations? Uh, Alicia Gray is not one that I had on this list, but I think I maybe penciled her in as a starter a little bit more than I probably should have. This is something that we, we talked about. Uh, weeks and weeks ago now, but uh, I think she definitely should be in that starting lineup, you know, even with the size disadvantage to like a Kayla Thornton or something like that. You know, I just think she's a better player and can guard threes well enough to at least 
fit into that that lineup a little bit. But it's definitely, Fair. you know, certainly possible that that she comes off the bench. And if she does come off the bench, she's a great pick, uh, and she's a great player. And that that's that's a really smart pick. Uh, and I'm uh, mad I didn't think of it. Some other players that I did consider, however, uh, Tiffany Mitchell. Interesting to kind of see what she'll look like in this new role, and I think it'll be a positive for her. Natalia Chanwa, I think she's a good player uh, that'll be coming off the bench. Didn't really consider her too heavily, but it was a player that I wanted to mention because, you know, at this point, she's probably one of, if not the best backup centers in the league and could start on probably a few teams right now, you know, with Love Driver on Connecticut. Yeah, I'm sure. Either Candace Dupree or Lauren Cox. Um, so going very fever heavy with the, the sixth woman of the year category, but I think their bench is outstanding. I agree. Uh, so wh- whichever one of those players end up coming off the bench. Cheyenne Parker gave serious consideration to uh, Breon January, should be starting, but won't be. And then Mercedes Russell uh, probably won't have the box score stats and will probably be, you know, the second best player off the bench for Seattle, but she's she's really good. Yeah, for a backup center, absolutely. Her and Ashano, those, those would be good picks as well. I agree. Who did you have for coach of the year? I had Marion Stanley. Uh, okay. I think this team is going to go under Oh, I shouldn't say think. I hope this team is going to go under a bit of a transformation and will make a big enough leap in the standings and have enough of an identity change that she will have not only the narrative, but also probably deserve that vote. You know, obviously uh, at a little bit of a disadvantage kind of picking these awards as to other ones, because there's only so much you can kind of ascertain about and like assistant coaches. But, you know, I think you know, we saw it last year with James Wade, first year coach, um, you know, making a big leap in the standings. And, and I think that'll kind of continue this year. Who did you have? Okay, this is the one award I could not settle on. Um, Marianne Stanley was at the top of my list for reasons you stated, although I actually didn't consider the, uh, J- the James Wade parallel, which I think is a very good point. Um, let's be honest, she, she's coming into a pretty good situation there. You know, Kelsey Mitchell, year three, Tierra McCowan, year two, getting Victoria Vivian's back. All the stuff that was going to happen anyway, she's going to go into basically inherit, but you still got to put in the work as a coach. And I think if Indiana can get like the seventh or sixth seed, maybe, I think they will be a playoff team. <laughs> as you can tell by my tone, I'm not certain about it, but if they do make the playoffs, I think she's a good pick. Also when, also considering Gary Kloppenberg, because if best team, if the Seattle is the best team, you got to consider the best coach, right? And I also actually considered Mike Tebow because Washington just looks so, I mean, the narrative is they lost four or five starters, including the reigning MVP, right? You're right. This is a narrative award. If that Washington team somehow makes the playoffs, I think you've got to give Tebow consideration. In the past, he has actually won coach of the year in Washington, I believe, when he did kind of overachieve with the roster that nobody really thought would make, would make much noise. So I could see that happening again here. Although, man, the defense, as we talked about, might not give him much of a chance. Yeah, especially if they end up like hosting a first round playoff game, though. Yeah, if you're, you know, the uh, the fifth or the sixth seed, well, let's let's oh. call it the sixth seed because I think fifth will probably be pretty hard to get to. But yeah, could totally see that happening. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the only other candidate I seriously considered was Gary Kloppenberg. Uh, you know, I think there's a little bit of narrative energy there as well, kind of replacing uh, Dan Hughes, who sure. is going to to miss this season um, to focus on his health, which I think is probably the right call. Uh, we always stand for Dan on this podcast. Um, so, so those were kind of the two that I were, was going back and forth on, but ultimately settled on Stanley. Uh, this was one of the tougher ones for me as well. Executive of the year. Okay. Uh, so this was, um, I did have a clear answer for this one, but it was tough for me as well because 
so much of what happened in the off season was kind of negated by the yeah. opt-outs. Like you could say, uh, like for instance, Atlanta, they did a ton with their rush. Like they totally overhauled everything, but you know, Courtney Williams, we're not sure. Kalani Brown, we're not sure. Renee Montgomery taking the season off. So Tiffany Hayes taking the season off. So we're not really, Atlanta's kind of a, not a wild card right now. So I'm not sure if you can give much executive of the year credit there. I wanted to say Connecticut, you know, like Kurt Miller, he did get Dewana Bonner, which may be the biggest move of the offseason, one of them, but he also lost Courtney Williams. So it's like, well, that, that's, that kind of offsets maybe. I think Dewana Bonner is a better player, of course, but it's not like Connecticut had a flawless offseason, right? Um, ultimately, I settled on Jim Pittman for the Phoenix Mercury. I, I think... Both of these moves, uh, Jiggins Smith and Bria Hartley, were a little overrated at the time, especially relative to, you know, like, I don't know if I talked about this on air before, but it's like, we had people saying, oh, Phoenix is a big three now. They got a big three now, which never really made much sense to me because they had a big three. They had Duana Bonner, Tarazi, and Brittany Griner. But I digress. Um, once again, this goes back to Phoenix being in pretty good shape and a lot of other teams not being in very good shape. So he got Jiggins Smith, he got Bria Hartley. He got Shatori Walker Kimbrough. Um, he got Nia Coffey. Not, I'm not really going to consider that one. But yeah, Jenga Smith, Hartley, and Walker Kimbrough, that's a pretty good trio of additions. So I'm ultimately going with Jim Pittman on this one. But you're right. This, this award is, is going to be a weird one. Who'd you go with? So I think if everybody shows, like, were to show up this season, if this were a normal year, uh, Chris Sienko would be in the driver's seat, even having won it just a couple seasons ago. But to go from, you know, being last in the WNBA to bringing in like Courtney Williams, Shakina Strickland, Glory Johnson, like that's a really good roster overhaul. Uh, yeah. And even if Courtney Williams, you know, shows up this season and they're still missing Hazen Montgomery, like I, I still think that's a really viable candidate for this award. You know, Indiana didn't make too many roster changes. It's largely the same, but if Indiana makes the leap, I think is possible kind of given the situation and kind of the roster talent they have and sort of where their starting point is coming from last year. You know, I think even Tamika Catchings just bringing in Marianne Stanley is, is a pretty good case in itself, but ultimately uh, I'm also going with Jim Pittman. You know, they got the big name star in Skylar Diggins Smith. They have most of their roster. They should be pretty good. Uh, you had said it before, you know, Kurt Miller brought in Duana Bonner, but you know, not only did they lose, Courtney Williams and Shakina Strickland when, when they definitely should have been able to keep at least one of those players. But, you know, John Quill Jones is sitting out the season, obviously. That's not Kurt Miller's fault, but that just means they're not going to have as much regular season success, and that's kind right. of largely what this award is, is based off of. Um, so, uh, Sienko, Catchings, and Pittman were, were kind of the three that I really seriously, seriously considered and ended up going with Jim Pittman. You know, good point on Sienko. I actually didn't consider – I'm just not looking at this at, like, the depth chart for Atlanta – they're going to have chances are like four of their five starters are going to be new additions. You know, I mean, he also drafted Kennedy Carter, right? That might not be much of a, that might be much of a, like, that's probably a, a no brainer draft pick, but still a draft pick. So if you've got like Carter starting, if Courtney Williams shows up, she's starting Shakina Strickland and Glory Johnson four of your five starters. I mean, that's, those are all new acquisitions, right? So yeah, that's, they definitely made the most moves. So uh, that's, if this, was a, if this was a volume award, right, then uh, Chris Yanko would be in the lead. But we'll see what happens. Uh, cool. So who did you have for your all-rookie team? Okay, um, this will shock you, but I have Sabrina Ionescu on my all-rookie team. 
Um, they have, they're basically building the team around her. They're building the whole franchise around her. She is the, the golden child over there. She's going to get all the opportunity in the world. Um, so I don't see how she doesn't make the all-rookie team unless something horrible happens. I've also got Kennedy Carter for mostly the same reasons. Um, you know, when Renee, Renee Montgomery went down, I think they kind of envisioned her as like a mentor for Kennedy Carter, maybe kind of rein her in a little bit, uh, have her become more of a pure point guard in her, her rookie season. That's obviously not going to happen. So I think Kennedy Carter is going to have the keys to the car to her. Uh, that was bad. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's going to have a ton of opportunities, a ton of opportunities. She's going to get her shots way up. Uh, with Satu Sabuli, um, this is not going to be a volume thing because uh, despite what happened last year, I don't see Brian Agler as a type of coach who is going to let a rookie really take over the team unless there are outstanding circumstances. Dallas has a lot more depth and a lot more balance than it did last year. But I think Sabuli is going to be good enough where she's going to be on the all-rookie team. And then the last two picks were a little more difficult for me. I wanted to go with Lauren Cox, but she's not, as far as I know, in the bubble yet. Um, not sure if she's going to be even playing this season. We still don't know. So I went with Jocelyn Willoughby from New York. Um, maybe a little bit of a left field pick, but looking at their roster right now, um, Megan Walker, fellow rookie, tested positive for, for COVID, so we wish her all the best. She's not going to be there until further notice. Asia Durr tested positive for coronavirus, uh, I believe it was like a month ago. She decided to take the season off. So that backcourt is going to be, you know, I don't want to say it's going to be thin, but those rookies are going to get a lot of burn. And I think Willoughby is a player who can come in and really impose her physicality right away as like a big guard or a big wing or whatever you want to pencil in her ass. And then for the fifth one, I ultimately decided to be a homer and go with Ruthie Hebert. Um, she might not, she might not make an all rookie team because of, you know, I don't know if how much James Wade is going to trust her. You know, they might play some Gabby Williams at the four. I don't know. Uh, but I think Hebert is, again, going to have a uh, – he's in a position where she can come in and play within herself and be – just do what she's good at, which is set screens at the top, roll the hoop, and finish. This guy have a pretty decent point pick-and-roll point guard in Courtney Vandersloot, right? So if Ruthie Hebert does get the opportunity to play, like, 12 to 14 minutes a game, I think she can be efficient enough to where she can earn a spot on the all-rookie team. Other considerations – well, let me ask you, um, before yeah, okay. you list your other considerations, did you at all consider any of the 2019 draftees who did not play last year? Well, Ezzie Magberger was one of them. Um, I did not consider her. Uh, sorry, Seattle fans, that's going to irritate a lot of you. But I did not consider her because I think there's just too much block in her still. Obviously, you're getting Brianna Stewart back. Natasha Howard's going to be getting her lion's share of the minutes. Mercedes Russell showed that she deserved a spot in the rotation last season. Crystal Langhorn, I'm not sure if they're going to uh, give her that many minutes anymore, but they signed Morgan Tuck, who is more of a four than a three, in my humble opinion. So, and plus, Ezzie Magberger is still really young. She's still really, she's still really raw, I think. So I'm not sure if she's going to get the volume, the playing time to be in this, in this sort of situation. Kiara Leslie from Washington, I did consider, but as we went over on the Washington episode, um, the injury, the past injury concern was kind of a factor for me. Um, I'm not sure how much of a role she's going to get other than just being like a fourth or fifth option anytime she's on the floor, just like as like a spot-up shooter. She can do more than that, for sure. But I need I don't think the situation is one where, like, again, look at who's playing in front of her. We expect Ariel Atkins to take, it, to take a huge leap. We expect Ariel Powers to take a huge leap, both Ariels. They signed Essence Carson as a veteran, which is one of the few veterans on that team, to be honest with you. I wouldn't be surprised if he Leslie make it, but... 
No, those are my five picks. One, I did want to shout out, though. I did want to shout out Julie Allemand on Indiana. Um, international players maybe kind of fall by the wayside when you're thinking about this award or, or this the all-rookie team, rather, because, you know, like they don't get all the hype from the draft. But she is a very, very good point guard on, on the Belgian national team. And, again, if, if Erica Wheeler does not report soon, you know, she might get some reps. And I, I think she can play in this league. I think she can be pretty good. Will she play ahead of Kelsey Mitchell? No. But can she be a pretty good backup? Yeah, I think so. And that's pretty much all I've got for this award. Okay, let's go to uh, a category we made up. Uh, sophomore yes. leap of the year. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, okay. Player that would make the largest difference in impact from, from year one to year two. Uh, would you like to start? I would love to start. Okay, first I'll tell you who I did not pick. I did not pick Nafisa Collier because I think she's already pretty darn good. Um, <laughs> I, Nafisa Collier was not under consideration for me either. Okay. I mean, sophomore leap. I mean, she was already really good last season. So I can't see her taking much of a, of a huge leap because she's already really good. Um, who I did pick was Jackie Young uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I mean, I think she was just a major liability on offense last season, um, at least as, as far as a scorer, as like a three-level scorer. If she can at least become a competent you know, I, I said this on the Vegas episode. She was so good at getting to the rim and finishing in college, and she's got the body for it. If she can just get that under control, it, it just really befuddled me how poor of a finisher, finisher she was last season. If she can at least get to the paint and finish on a more consistent basis, or if she can knock on the open three-pointer on a consistent basis. Because if you look at this team now, how it's going to be constructed, I think, I don't know, I think they're going to be running a lot fewer post-ups Without Liz Cambage, I mean, they're still, you know, Bill Embiid is still their coach. They're probably going to still be posting up a lot, but less. I think they're going to emphasize more, more like pick and roll and more Asia Wilson rolling to the basket, Erica Hamby rolling to the basket. And I think that with Jackie Young's height and her passing ability, I think that's only good news for her. I think she's going to take a very big leap as a point guard uh, her sophomore season. I could see her maybe not getting a lot of as many minutes for this because they've got Daniel Robinson and Lindsey Allen as well. But I think as a player, Jackie Young is going to be tremendously improved. How about you? I'm going to run through all the players I considered for this right. award and then uh, c- kind of break it down from there. So the players I considered, uh, Jackie Young, Tiara McCowan, Katie Lou Samuelson, Kennedy Burke, Kalani Brown, and Natisha Heideman. Um, those were kind of the one, two, three, four, five, six players that I, I really gave serious thought into kind of giving this award to uh, and then kind of landed on, you know, most seriously considering uh, the player that you were just talking about, Jackie Young and Tierra McCowan. I think Jackie Young's, you know, quote-unquote path to this quote-unquote award is a lot easier to recognize in terms of her uh, finishing at the rim improving, her jump shot improving. You know, those are obviously some of the big ones, maybe becoming a little bit more of a consistent defender. Uh, She should have all the opportunity in the world, given how different this team looks from last year, uh, like they do this year. But they do have a very, um, let's say, experienced Angel McCautry plus, you know, a real MVP candidate in Asia Wilson. So sure. maybe Jackie Young isn't getting the ball or and kind of having the creation burden that that maybe uh, she could have. Um, but I think she's still, you know, a very, very serious consideration for making a leap in year two. I think ultimately I'm going to go with Tier McCowan, even though I think like there's a real chance her box score production is pretty similar to last season. Uh, you know, she was already an efficient scorer. 
uh, you know, the most dominant rebounder in the league, uh, both offensively and defensively. Uh, but I think her actual like value added to winning basketball games, the stuff that doesn't really show up uh, is really going to kind of be where she makes a leap. You know, her defensive mechanics, her defensive positioning, her activity off the ball, which, you know, we kind of talked about in our Indiana episode uh, is not something I was impressed with last year. Her effectiveness as like an off ball screener. You know, I, I think the Tierra McCowan shine is a little bit too bright for me in terms of like how she's regarded around the league. I, I don't, think she's quite the level of player that people are assuming she already is or talking about her as she already is but as we've talked about extensively on this episode like the path is there and it's like a very easy one to see so I think this was like my hardest award to kind of narrow down I think I'm going with McCowan but you know really it's kind of splitting hairs I think Jackie Young is is going to be a lot better than she was in year one so you you made up the, the award but it was the most difficult for you yeah that's right okay all right um I also wanted to consider, okay, so you might scoff at this, um, but I considered Christina Nigue because... I almost had her too. Yeah, I thought about because it. Because she was so bad last season. So if she's at least competent this season, that's a leap, right? Yeah, for sure. No, and, I, like in the, yeah. and like in LA's front court, like, okay, you've got Nick and you've got Candace Parker, but then behind them, it's like, well, who's going to get the backup minutes? I think Rashana Gray is probably like their best bet there, honestly, right now, because she's the most experienced. But Christina Nigue, I think, is in a better situation here than she was in, in Dallas or in Connecticut. So I think she can make a leap. Let's go to another made-up category, our non-All-Star All-Star team. Players that are probably very unlikely to make an All-Star team this season, but we want to kind of recognize what their contribution will, will likely be coming into the year and sort of what they bring to the table. Um, I sort of proposed this to you and made it up so I, I can go first if you'd like me to. Go for it. Yeah, sure. Uh, my, my team consists of Sydney Weiss, uh, aforementioned Alicia Gray, Alicia Clark, Derricka Hamby, and Elizabeth Williams. I'm really surprised you didn't have Jordan Cannon on there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought about her, but you know, I think she got enough kind of love in, in some of the previous awards. So, okay. Well, I'm with you on the Alicia's. I'm, I'm with you on Alicia Clark, who I think when you think of like, well, who's the most underrated player in the league? Everyone always says Alicia Clark. And someone, I, I forget, was it Curtis Zimmerman on Twitter? Or maybe it was Snap Wilson, one of them. Maybe both of them, actually. They're both like, well, how can you be underrated if everyone says you're underrated? Point taken. But if you're still thinking about this as like a non-all-star, all-star, she is the consummate pick for that. Um, yeah, I think when we were kind of talking about this category, like Alicia Clark was the player that we were using as an example. I think, I think it, she actually inspired us to make this. Yeah. Yeah, so that's so obviously she has to be on there. Um, I also had Ariel Atkins, um, and so like I, I know we said like she probably gets she gets plenty of attention, but is she going to make an All Star team? I don't I don't think so. I mean, if there was if there was like an All Star game she would make, it'd probably be this year because depth across the league is so is so short. But I think I think she is once again she's a pretty decent three and D player, and as we said, she's a star in her role. So I think you got to consider her. I also had Cheyenne Parker um, because I'm a homer and because, as I said before, her permanent production is just off the charts. And yeah, Jordan Canada I had because, again, I don't see her making an all-star team, at least not until Sue Bird retires, but she's so good on defense and blah, blah, blah. We've said this a thousand times. So yeah, were there any uh, players you also considered? Yes, my also considered consists of Kayla Thornton, uh, Glory Johnson, 
Steph Dolson, uh, I thought about putting Ariel Atkins on this team, but you know, if there are all-star nominations, I think she probably makes it this year uh, with kind of less players around the league to, to yeah. compete with. Uh, Mariah Jefferson, Brianna Turner, Tiffany Mitchell, and maybe this is a dumb pick because maybe she has uh, you know an all-star game in her if we have one, but Victoria Vivians. Okay. I, well, yeah, I, I could see that. I could see that. I was surprised about, uh, I was surprised about a couple there. Why, uh, why do you consider Tiffany Mitchell to be a, a non-all-star all-star? Uh, well, I think her, her role is going to be, well, she's going to have more space to operate as we talked about. If, True. If uh, Vivian's is healthy, like if you have a lineup with uh, the two Mitchells, Vivian's, um, you know, she's going to play primarily bench role. So let's say Natalie Chan was out there instead of Tara McCowan. Like she can get to the basket really effectively. And I think she's going to be in a better situation. So, you know, I don't think she's quite as good of a player as some of the other ones that, that we named, you know, obviously she's no like Ariel Atkins out there or anything like that. But, you know, I think this will probably be the best situation she's, she's ever in. And I expect her to capitalize. She's, she's a talented player. If, you know, a limited one with very glaring weaknesses, i.e. her shooting. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I also like the Mariah Jefferson pick. I, I think that was another player who's kind of uh, people kind of forgotten about a little bit, but she's a, she's a very competent point guard. And I think, I think she's going to be pretty good for Dallas's pace this season. Um, whether or not they take advantage of that is another story because Brian Agler teams are historically slow, but uh, she does add that dimension to that team. So, and she's, she's a pretty aggressive defender if, if somewhat slight. So yeah, that's, that's a good pick. So I guess now we move on to team tiers. Would you like to start at the top or the bottom? Let's just start at the top. Seattle Storm is my – well, actually, hang on, hang on, hang on. How many tiers did you have? Yeah, I was going to interrupt and ask you the same question. I have five tiers. Okay, I have tiers? six. You I have six. Tiers. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, but in any case, Seattle Storm is my lone top-tier team. That's just because I think they are currently the best team, and I don't think there is much argument for any of the second-tier teams. Who was on your first tier? So I also named my tiers because uh, I am a loser. This tier <laughs> is called Legit WNBA Championship Contenders, and Legit. it consists of the Seattle Storm and the Los Angeles Sparks. These are two teams that uh, I very uh, strongly believe will be competing for a championship this season. You know, the Storm is obviously all about Brianna Stewart's health and, and to a lesser extent, Sue Birds as well. But if Brianna Stewart is Brianna Stewart, particularly in, in this environment with a little bit less talent than maybe we should be working with as a league, you know, this team should be a powerhouse. For LA, you know, we noted back when they had Christy Tolliver and Shanae Wumake that depth would be a concern. Yeah. Uh, so it's definitely even more so now. Um, you know, and that pretty much means guaranteed minutes for, for Brittany Sykes, which, you know, we'll, we'll see. She'll definitely have some promising moments and probably overall, you know, not add too much positive value while she's out there. And it probably also means, you know, guaranteed minutes for at least one of uh, Gulich or, or Inigwe, maybe even both. Um, but, you know, hopefully, as you said, Rashonda Gray will, will be able to provide the bulk of those backup big minutes. Overall, you know, I'm not really optimistic about those bench lineups, but I think enough, enough is there where they should be competing for a title. Uh, do you feel strongly uh, in a negative way about me including LA in the same tier as Seattle? Well, first of all, I think it's, it's looking good for other bench players because they have Derek Fisher coaching them. So, and he likes to go with his, these massive rotations for some reason. Uh, I don't know if, if that's going to change this year. Um, not that negatively. 
if there was a if there was a second if I was forced to move a second tier team to the first tier, they would be the team I'd pick. I'm just so maybe overly so concerned about Candace Parker's health, um, and also like their their depth at the wing. They do have Raquana Williams, who may or may not be starting. I think I think that's a if she's starting next to like Gray and Parker and, and Agumake, I think that's going to be awesome. If she's not, well, I don't think that's awesome. But it is a player who, if you were to have like a six-woman type of, of, of guard, a six-woman type of player in your backcourt, rather, have to step into your starting lineup, she would be at the top of my list for those, for those types of players. Um, I just think Seattle's, Seattle's got more depth and they've got more weapons. Let me ask you, are you more concerned about Candace Parker's health than you are about Sue Bird's? Or, or do you think Sue Bird's status is just kind of less of a factor for Seattle's uh, overall kind of universe of outcomes? I think it's less of a factor. Okay. Um, and, and actually, and is, 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 was Super like, I forget, was she injured last season or did she just take off? No, she had that sort of like unspecified knee injury oh, right, where right, she right, kept right, kind right. of making ominous quotes about like, nothing's really happening. Like, why isn't anything happening? Okay. Um, um, you're right. You're right. Well, that might be a concern, but I think even, even if she was, even if she, like her health depending, um, she's still going to be and she's not going to be playing 30 minutes a game anymore, even if she is healthy. And we've given plenty of love to Jordan Canada on this episode already. So very competent backup there. Um, you know, maybe Candace Parker proves me wrong and comes in and just dominates everywhere. And LA does win the championship. I could see it. No, no qualms there. Uh, what does tier two look like for you? Okay. Tier two obviously has the LA sparks, uh, the Phoenix Mercury and the Chicago sky. I might, I might be jumping the gun on my sky a little bit here. Um, looking, looking at the second tier, I think, like, for example, I think Chicago matches up well against Phoenix, but they don't match up well against LA. If, if that's fair. But why do, like, why do you say all, that? Cause I think they do match up well against LA. Um, because of Candace Parker for, for one. Um, but I, I did just say, I don't trust her health. So that might be a little hypocritical of me. Um, but both her and Neko Gumake are players who have given the sky huge problems over the years. And I think the Sparks have just more athleticism to throw at the sky. We've talked about it before. Um, the sky are able to basically run Phoenix off the court. I think that'd be a little more difficult to do, to do against LA. I, I think athleticism, opposing athleticism is a little bit of a concern for LA. And I think a team like uh, Chicago, if they can continue to play in the open court, I, I think that matchup is, is okay. Uh, and I think, Azure Stevens, you know, Candace Parker might put her in the goal a few times, but overall, you know, I think there are worse four matchups in the league than, than being able well, to Maybe now. Some. Yeah. Okay. Um, so. And now that I think about it, like if, if the Sparks have to run like Sydney Weiss and Simone Augustus out there at the same time, or Sydney Weiss and Marie Gulich out there at the same time, then Chicago can, can kind of feast on that. So you're right. Uh, Who did, did you did have you, in your. Did you finish up tier two? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Okay. It's just Phoenix, LA, and Chicago. Okay, my tier two is, um, and this tier is titled, uh, the title path is there, um, but this this tier for me is uh, Chicago Sky and the Phoenix Mercury. Um, okay. So, you know, I think Chicago's maybe a little shorthanded starting out the season, missing Sydney Colson, but they're really only integrating a few new pieces, and, and at least one of those pieces has some really enticing upside that we were just talking about in, in Azra Stevens and might bring some of the very things that this team needs in terms of Defensive versatility, defensive playmaking, the skills to at least attack off the dribble in like a really tertiary um, 
you know, just kind of attacking closeouts type role. She can right. space the floor. Like she has the length to, you know, even if her, she's not the strongest player in the world. Like if, if she does get like a size mismatch, she can just shoot over that player uh, very easily. Um, so I think Chicago, you know, a, a leap is required, I think, by Diamond to Shields, at least an incremental one. Um, and then Phoenix, you know, we, we talked about it a lot kind of over the course of the podcast and, and in their um, episode pretty recently. But I was much lower on this team as I think you were just a, a few short weeks ago. Um, but they'll be bringing back the or they'll be bringing in the, the vast majority of their roster into the season. You know, we both picked Brittany Griner to be the MVP. These pieces that they kind of brought in at during this uh, off-season overhaul, like they're not super congruous in my opinion. You know, there's there's not a lot of, I guess, like skill, like complementary skills uh, in terms of how all these pieces fit together. But I think they have enough good players and enough very high-level talent to at least give themselves a chance, more so in my opinion, than the teams below them. Okay, I think that's fair. Uh, I too have questions about how like Diggins, Smith and Hartley are going to fit with Diana Tarazi, but I mean, they do have the star power. Um, this is a star-driven league, and so many other teams are are hurting, figuratively and literally. Um, so, yeah, I don't think you can rule off. I don't, I don't think Phoenix can be lower than second tier. So I'll I'll continue going. My tier three, which I titled "Solid Playoff Team," but a title would be surprising. Also consists of two teams, and that would be my beloved Connecticut Sun and the Indiana Fever. Um, oh. Connecticut. I love this team one through four, right? Even with Bria Holmes starting over Brian January, which is not my preference uh, as is well-documented over the course of the Double Down podcast. Uh, I think the guard and wing depth on this bench is fine. You know, I really like Natisha Heidemann and, and Brian January, of course, is a solid three and D vet with some passing chops. Kalina Mosqueda-Lewis, you know, she'll provide some spacing, whatever. Uh, I'm really concerned about this team's center rotation. If you could just combine Teresa Plaisance as an offensive player and Bree Jones as a defensive player, you know, <laughs> you might have something there. But both of these options are just extremely limited on, you know, the other end. I guess maybe, maybe, maybe you could get away with starting Plaisance as your starting center with all the defensive talent they're going to have around her. But I would be very concerned about that starting lineup. Um and Indiana Fever, you know, this is a, a leap of faith. I, I guess I'm higher on this team than just about anyone uh, in a super compact, like three game per week season. You know, they have 10 good players, uh, assuming Erica Wheeler shows up. And I think their depth is really going to work to their advantage. I think a more progressive, inventive offense, you know, than what they were doing last year is going to do this team wonders. You know, we don't know 100% that that'll be the case, but, you know, they, Tamika Ketchings brought this coach in for a reason, right? Uh, and I think having this team this high requires a leap of faith in my part by a few different players, Kelsey Mitchell and Tierra McCowan among them, and perhaps some like staving off of regression by a few players. You know, Erica Wheeler, we'll, you know, we'll see what Candice Dupree gives us. But I'm a believer in enough of the individual components of this roster to, to believe in this leap. Okay, made some good points there on Indy, uh, especially the depth. Uh, Marianne Stanley did say that she wants Candace Dupree to start shooting threes. So maybe that's like 10 years too late, but better late than never. Uh, so that would be great, great next to Tira McCowan for sure. Um, okay. I had, I had the sun. I, th I think they're pretty clearly a, a third tier team. Like maybe once Heidemann and January come back, they'll have better depth in the backcourt, but I just cannot get over this, this center rotation. I'm with you. Um, if I agree, if you could combine Teresa Plaisance and Brianna Jones, that'd be awesome. 
Um, I'm a I'm a Chicago Bulls fan. Back in like 2010, 2011, I, I kept saying, "Well, if they could just combine Kyle Korver and Ronnie Brewer, they'd have the perfect starting two guard." <laughs> but instead, they ran out Keith Bogans for for 80 games. Um, so that's that's never going to happen. Um, I also I had the Aces in the third tier instead of the Fever, um, but I could definitely I definitely think it's a shakier pick than the Sun, just because they have no outside shooting whatsoever and. Honestly, I'm a little worried about their playmaking as well because, like, so much of this team depends on a healthy Angel McCaughey, right? If she can go back to at least being 2018 Angel, 2017 Angel, I think they could at least grind out a playoff appearance. If she is struggling, especially, like, if she doesn't have that burst she once did, then they're going to have a problem. Um, also, like, their front court is super thin now. Like, Dierka Hamby's awesome. Asia Wilson's great. But then after that, you're looking at uh, an unretired Carolyn Soares and Avery Worley Talbert, maybe playing Angel McCartney at the four when her, when she's not going to really give you much advantage at the four anymore. I, I don't know. This is, I could see the aces are like 3.5 for me, I guess, uh, but I, I put them at three. Is there any other players in this tier or should I get into why I have the aces in, in tier four? No, you can go, you can go for it. Okay, cool. So, um, this tier for me is, uh, what I call, uh, four fighting for two, uh, four teams fighting for these last two playoff spots. Um, and we'll get right into the aces. And, you know, a lot of kind of what you were just saying is why I have them lower than you have them in. You know, if if there was kind of another tier, you know, maybe I should also have six tiers and Vegas should be like in between, you know, this tier and the one above it. But, you know, you mentioned it and, and we kind of talked about it a couple of weeks ago, you know, even before Liz Cambage was announcing that she was um, going to be sitting out this season the aces kind of went from hoping from a positive two-way contribution from either Jackie Young or Angel McCautry to needing serious two-way contributions from both Jackie Young and Angel McCautry. And that is very concerning to me, uh, as well as another thing that you just mentioned, like their backup big, their primary backup big is a player who was retired like six weeks ago. You know, they don't have the only player coming back from their roster or their only player from last year that can really shoot threes out of the pick and roll that can, you know, the player that really dictated the pace, which was the fastest pace in the league last year offensively. And, you know, one of their few reliable creators through dribble penetration last season. So I am worried about Vegas. Uh, I think a lot more than other people are. They have some terrific talent. You know, Kayla McBride rules. Asia Wilson is definitely a top 10 player. We'll see what what we get out of Andrew McCartry and, and Jackie Young and, you know, Danielle Robinson and Carolyn Swords. Um, Wolf. So now hang on, hang on. But before you go further, sorry. Um, they released Alex Bentley today. They did. Do you, do you think not that that's like, I'm not saying like that's a, that's a needle mover, but I'm saying if it opens up, I I'll full disclosure. I have no clue what's going on with the cap rules anymore. It's, it's a mess, but if they do have a spot open, do you think they need to sign another big? Yeah. You know, I, I don't really know what that big looks like for them at this moment, but I, I, I would sign another big and give Jackie Young like the burden of the the creation that Alex Bentley was, I guess, slated to to take. Um, Whatever it was. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so my other, uh, I guess I'll just get right into Atlanta because, you know, if you tell me today that Courtney Williams is in Florida, they're moving up a tier. They're, they're in tier three with Indiana and Connecticut Sun. And if you tell me that Courtney Williams isn't playing this year, then they're down a tier. They're in tier five, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, so, you know, not really much to say about them because – I think everything in terms of my evaluation of them 
comes down to whether their best player shows up this season. Um, so the other two teams I have in this uh, four fighting for two tier uh, is the Minnesota Lynx and Washington Mystics. Um, you know, I think Minnesota from all accounts, like they expect Odyssey Sims to be there this season. And I think this team is definitely a solid playoff team once Odyssey Sims shows up and it's really going to be a struggle on offense before she gets there. So depending on what part of the season she arrives, uh, that's kind of how high I will be on this team's chances. So, you know, without her, they just don't really have anyone to create for others or, or create through dribble penetration. So, you know, I don't really know what else to say about them as uh, their, their roster is kind of in limbo. Washington, we talked about very recently. Um, I really, really like their starting five. think that starting five can score with just about anyone with that lineup out there. And I think they're going to give up a million points. So yeah. maybe that'll be enough to make the playoffs. They're, they're kind of like the lowest team in this tier for me, I would say. Um, but, you know, some other folks are higher on them than I am. So maybe I'm wrong. I also had the Mystics and the Lynx in this tier, along with the Fever. Although you made some very, very good points on the Fever. I could definitely see them overtaking Vegas uh, as the season goes on. But, I mean, pretty much everything you said I think is spot on, especially consider, uh, concerning the Lynx. I think you, you can't really count them out as long as they have Nafisa Collier and Sylvia Fowles and, to a lesser extent, Demiris Dantes, because that's a really, really solid three through five rotation there. Um, I just wish they could have a – I just wish they had a, a consistent, you know, lead guard. I, that's, that's all this team is, is really – well, I'm not going to say it's all they're lacking, but it's a very, very significant hole. Um, if Sims comes back, that'd be awesome. I, I'm not sure if I would depend on that. I, stranger things have happened, but yeah, I think they're pretty firmly in the fourth tier there. Mystics, we said it. I just think, I think the Mystics are just better than the than the remainder of the teams, just by function of, the, of them having a really experienced head coach and a, a starting lineup that can score the heck out of the basketball. And then I've got the Indiana Fever there, but uh, if they can bring their entire roster, I think they might step up a little bit. So yeah, no, no big disagreements there. So. I, unless I'm maybe keeping track of things, do you have the last two teams in two separate tiers? I've got three teams remaining. Um, oh, I actually have, I've got Atlanta Dream and Dallas Wings both in the fifth tier. Um, here's why. Um, well, Atlanta, I and mean, we already said it. I'm not, I'm not sure about Courtney Williams coming back if she's going to show up or not. If she does not, uh, it's going to be a struggle, especially with her bench. Not really sure who's going to be scoring coming off that bench. Or for that matter, who's going to be scoring in the starting lineup besides from Kennedy Carter? I think without Courtney Williams and, of course, you know, Tiffany Hayes and Renee Montgomery, the star on this team is considerably dimmer than it was, you know, when everyone was really excited about them during the free agency period. Um, I could see Gloria Johnson having a big year, but I'm not sure how much it's going to translate into team success. So maybe I'm a little lower on the dream than you are, but if they do not have Courtney Williams, I don't think they're going to be a playoff team. Uh, and then I've got Dallas as well in the fifth tier. Again, just a lot of talent, but a whole lot of question marks as well. They are just a, just one offseason removed of being a total mess. Because truth be told, I mean, let's be honest, that's what they were last year. They were a mess on both ends of the floor. How quickly can they get all these rookies and all these new players integrated so that they're not such a mess? I'm not, I'm not sold. Yeah, my, my tier five, as I like to call it, the dregs the New York Liberty and the Dallas wings, you know, I think both of these teams are going to be fun at least. So that that's yeah. good. Neither of one of them are going to stop anyone. Uh-huh. So that'll be fun too. 
uh, it'll be fun to see what, you know, all the Liberty rookies look like. I'm, I'm excited for Mariah Jefferson in her return and excited to see Satu Sabali, of course. But, you know, these, these will probably be the worst teams in the league. And, and if Atlanta doesn't have Courtney Williams, they're, they're right there as well. So let's, uh, I guess, move on to the last thing we wanted to discuss, and that is who we predict to be in the WNBA finals at the end of the year. Um, I took the easy way out, and I just went with the two best teams which was Seattle and LA. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. I mean, well, Hank, who did you pick? I also picked Seattle and LA. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, I can maybe see Phoenix sneaking its way in there because as we saw a couple seasons ago, like they took the defending, the eventual defending champions, uh, Seattle storm to five games in the semifinals after going up to zero. I mean, they've got, as long as you have Brittany Griner and like a healthy Diana Shirazi, we're assuming they're going to have a chance. But I think LA and Seattle are just the two safest picks here at the moment. Yeah, I agree with you. Nothing really more to add. I hope that our second or my second tier of teams really kind of make this a push in Chicago and Phoenix uh, challenge these what looks to be the kind of uh, cream of the crop in the league this year. But uh, man, we went pretty long. Anything else you want to talk about before we get going? No, I'm going to give, give the listeners a break. I just wanted to say, as always, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. Really appreciate the feedback and the engagement. Um, we're just doing this for fun. So I'm hoping, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that other people are having fun listening to it as well. Awesome. Thank you all for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts on the two places that we're available, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcast Manager. You can follow us on Twitter at DoubleDown, WNBA. You can follow Eric at Nemchok E or myself at Trinkwald. And we'll talk to you this weekend. And we're going to be actually talking about live basketball games. About time. Let's play some basketball. Be safe, everybody.